Your Partner in Success Radio is a free business podcast with host Denise Griffiths. It's all about great stories, conversation, and context to help you move your business and life forward with actionable tips and advice from her guest experts. To listen and subscribe, just find us on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you consume your podcasts. Welcome to your Partner in Success Radio. I'm your host, Denise Griffiths, and my guest, Victoria Anderson, is an author, entrepreneur, podcaster, writing coach, and course creator. And in addition to publishing several books, she also hosts the Leap Into Your Story podcast. I have to say I love that name. For writers who want to discover their inner story, find help with the process, and learn from others who've done it. And she joins your Partner in Success success radio today to share the personal and professional benefits i can't talk of writing a book and what some of the misconceptions about writing a book are and how to approach and conquer them and that's a big deal listen i've got many books in me i've written them in my sleep i don't seem to be able to complete one so i'm excited about this this conversation today so good morning victoria and welcome to your partner in success radio Good morning, and um, it's a pleasure to be here, and I can't wait to help you leap into your story, Miss Denise, as well. <laughs> I like that name. I mean, that just makes perfect sense to me. It's, it's, it's. I mean, it's really easy to understand what the topic is, leap into your story. And really, isn't when we're writing a book these days, I mean, it used to be, Look, I, I have been reading since I was three years old. I mean, I read constantly. I will read the back of cereal boxes, and I don't eat cereal. I can't stand the stuff, but I've got to read something. If it's in front of me and it's in print, I'm going to read it. But it used to be not all that long ago that if you wanted to, to have a book, you needed to go, you know, the old-fashioned publishing way, go to get an agent, go to the houses, you know, the publishing houses, and then print-on-demand came along, thank goodness. Mm-hmm. And now pretty much anybody who has a great story in them or something to share can get published one way or another. And that, to me, if nothing else has happened in my life that just makes me go, ah, that's perfect. The fact that we can all write a book or 10 just makes life wonderful as far as I'm concerned. Yes, absolutely. I mean, one of the things that I often preach these days is you really don't have any excuse. Uh, I know. Said the, the ancient publishing world, which I did um, originally uh, explore, because that was simply the only option. Back in the day when I had uh, written my first book, the options were you had to solicit publishers or literary agents, yeah. or you can utilize a vanity press, which basically took a whole bunch of money, thousands and thousands of dollars, and just put your book into, you know, a format with a cover. They didn't do any editing. They didn't do any publishing. But the publishing world now has come a long way. It's now more than ever so user-friendly that there really isn't any excuse. But 
there is still a little bit of a stigma <clears throat> about self-publishing because of those uh, old vanity publisher days. It's kind of like, well, you couldn't get your book published by a publisher, so you did it yourself. Right. Right. However, uh, even with publishers today, surprisingly, you, you now um, have to do quite a bit of your own work, and they take a big cut on top of it. Um, my surprise was that there was a very well-established author who uh, hadn't published a book in probably 10 years, but I mean, several, several of his books had been turned into movies, so he's, you know, not a novice, and when he published his recent book over the summer, they expected him to do his own marketing. <laughs> I was like, what? So he actually ended up um, hiring a PR firm to do that leg, because even that component that you expected a publisher to do, they've decided that, you know, maybe you can do a better job because, again, there's other venues for you to do your own publishing relatively low cost, and they, they don't have to fork out the money to put in all the big um, marketing promotions like they used to. And I'm so glad you brought that up because I work with a lot of authors and I interview, as you know, a lot of authors. I'm not entirely certain how this has happened, but over the years I've been become known as, you know, the person to go to if you've got a book. You know, can you get on my show? Is your book good? Mostly I want to know how interesting you are. I don't really care about the book. Although, that being said, I have two bookcases in my office and every single book in this room has been gifted to me by my my guests, every single book. Wow. There's not a book in here that didn't come from somebody who's been on this podcast. So I do care about the books, but I'm more interested in your story. Why did you write the story? Why did, why did you write the book? What's in it for my audience? You know, what can people learn from you? And, you know, being an ardent book reader, bibliophile, I mean, this is kind of my world, but I'm so glad you brought that up because so many people have come to me because I'm, you know, I'm a web developer by trade. I'm also a social media marketing, I don't, tinker, I guess. I tinker around <laughs> on the internet. As far as I'm concerned, the, inter the internet was made for me and I loan it to y'all, but it's mine. It's all mine. So <laughs> just so you know, but I will find that people are saying, Listen, you know, I went to find an agent. I went to find a publishing house. They won't even talk to me unless I have this many numbers in social media. Am I on Instagram? Am I on Twitter? What does my audience look like? You have to prove yourself. And you can tell me if I'm wrong, but this has been my observation. If you want to go with a, a publishing house and an agent, you almost have to be already way out there in a big, big way with an audience they're not going to talk to you. Is that what you found? Yes, and that's one of the that's one of the newer uh, issues that's come up with the publishers. Before it was your content, because right. yeah, regardless of what you do, even if it's an artistic endeavor, you're looked at as a shelf item. So your books are considered a commodity that makes them 
money and you know whether or not they want to put uh the money and effort into your your book which generally will be dollar sign translation or whether the bookstores they still are there but they still have that bookshelf mentality of are you worthy to occupy precious space in a retail venue is your book can you your book generates per square footage income with X amount of copies out there. So the social media component is now an added uh, barrier into the publishing world. And here's, here's, and that's a double-edged sword for them because really if you have the market already, why do you really need them? <laughs> so, you know, again, self-publishing would be the way to go because once you hand your material over to a publisher, and this is another thing that I didn't particularly care about working with a publisher when I did, is they call the shots on you. Uh, they, if they want something changed in your book, you pretty much have to do it regardless if you agree with it or not. Right. So with the self-publishing component, you have full control. And if you've heard any of my podcasts, you know, I love control. So, <laughs> you know, for me, I can understand some of the things and I did agree with to change it, but there were a few that I did disagree with because I said, you know, it is kind of a flat chapter and part of a publisher is making sure that your book has a certain consistency. I mean, an editor and a developmental editor does that too. And I did argue with her. So my editor and my publisher both wanted me to change a chapter in the particular book, but they failed to realize I had two more books coming. And even though it was kind of a skinny off the outline or chapter to look kind of odd in the book, it made sense for my other two books. So I fought to keep that particular chapter in there um, because if you're reading all three of the books, you'll see, oh, it's kind of a little blurb in this one, but then it comes into play in the next two. And something like, again, they're, they're not looking at it as a holistic approach to the whole um, journey of the book developing. It's about can, you know, is each book worthy and money generating um, in its best presence? And sometimes you have to just stand your ground and I'm glad I did because without that, it would have, if you were reading each one of the books, that particular tiny little kind of blurb chapter, um, didn't really make sense when I brought it up in the other two books. So that's one of the benefits of self-publishing, uh, as well as, you know, immediacy. The I can get a book in its final draft within maybe a few days. When I worked with a publisher, and they put me on a schedule of almost six months to a year and a half. So the, you lose a momentum and an excitement and an energy when you, you when it's drawn on and you're now 
put into a queue to have somebody assigned to you, you know, doing the editing, developing the book work, doing the final draft. But for me, there's nothing more exciting than seeing your book from pretty much the final draft to a print in a few days. It keeps the momentum going. Um, and one thing I like, and I, I need to say this before I forget it, because it's Monday. God knows where my brain's <laughs> going to go. In the next 20 minutes, I'm just warning you. It's holiday time. It's Monday. Yeah, I'm here, kind of. But, but one thing that I have noticed, and like I say, I read a lot. You ought to see, you know, I'll, I'll get my, when I open up my Kindle app on my iPad, it'll say, you have read for 365 days or whatever wow. it is. I mean, I really have. I mean, I read daily and I read, you know, I've got different iPads. I've got my phone. I read all the time and I have real books. I have about 3000 real books, but the thing, yeah, I'm serious about reading, but, but the thing is you can, and I'm sure you've had this happen. You can get that book, you can get it up on Kindle and we'll talk about how that happens. Mm -hmm. But if there are big boo-boos and you'll see them, I mean, no book is perfect. You're going to spot typos. There's going to be formatting issues, but you can get in there and correct that. Yeah, and it's almost instant. So you can't do that with a publishing house. Correct, and there's always errors, no always. matter. So with That's a publisher right. or um, self-publishing. I mean, self-publishing there is a little more, um, you know, margin of the error expectancy because it is faster. It's a faster process, and believe me, I I try to comb through there, but there's there's always something, you know, an R, the A-R-R, A-R-E instead of O-U-R, and things that spell check um, don't always check, <laughs> or they check because you spelled them correctly, um, but not the right form, and sometimes the grammar, and even with the best, like, grammar software, though they always tend to slip through, and for whatever reason, and I don't know if because my books are paranormal, I always get some weird formatting for my documents. And I just experienced, I'm now on my fourth uh, book, of course, three are memoirs, and my fourth one is now coming out is a fiction one. And I just noticed that my English version in my document went from English to Australian. So now, and I'm like, how does that happen? How I does that happen? I document every day. <laughs> so, but throughout my books, there's always some weird thing. I mean, in my final book, you will see a bunch of formatting errors. And I don't know. I mean, there there could be because I talk about the dark side of dark energy. And uh, that book did fight me. Um, from the get-go, and I've ran it through my editor. I've ran it through uh, Kindle. Nobody seemed to can find the source of why my formatting is all goofy. So <laughs> I'm just leaving it alone. So I'm apologizing in advance for those who read that third book. Things will be goofy in it, but the other two are fine. <laughs> You know, you're talking about the grammar. Uh, I have several favorite authors, and one 
the only mistake I ever see, and I saw it again over the weekend, and it's got to be because she's running it through, you know, Grammarly or whatever the heck, but when somebody says they have piqued your interest, it is not P-E-A-K-E-D. It is P-I-Q-U-E-D, and she gets it wrong every single time. And I will stop and you know, just heave a sigh because that's just wrong, and then I'll keep on reading it. But it ticks me off every time I see it, which is how ridiculous I am. Well, it ha- it happens. I mean, I'm trying uh, – I use uh, jewelry a lot in my books because my husband's a jeweler, and I was an antique um business owner with him and featured jewelry and of course the european australian uh uk version has it spelled with double L. extra e yeah yes. and there's extra e yes. in there so i mean there's weird things like i says i i looked at my my manuscript and i'm like how did it get to australian <laughs> now i'm fighting with the spell check and trying to ignore and it doesn't ignore and i'm like i'm already done with you so yeah there's there's going to be some boo-boos, but I'll tell you one of the things that kind of cured me of just seeing, because I was obsessed. I mean, I really needed an intervention and a 12-step program to editing um, because I would put the manuscript away for, you know, I'd finish it and then put it away for three, four months, come back, comb through it send it back to my editor we comb through it and and I would think it's good and then again I'd put it aside so it'd be like this two-year process because sometimes you just when you're reading through it you're you want to use a better word choice and it's not necessarily grammar or misspelled words but there's always a better way you can present um, what you're writing and sometimes I'd go through and go yeah this is a better um, a way to convey that emotion with these this word better. So I just combed through that. But then I was reading The Artist Way. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with that book. But I am. that book, and right on the front cover, it has like 30 million copies sold in 14 different languages. And there is a bunch of typos in that book. And I know. And here's the funny thing. Nobody's touched it. <laughs> 30 million, you're thinking, well, maybe the first million, somebody goes through that and you know, decides maybe we should. And they, no, sometimes the content is going to be your focus. And there's always going to be errors, whether you are a beginning writer or somebody who sold like 30 million copies in 14 different languages. And all those typos in there, and that right. kind of let that kind of set a different perspective in my head. That you know, focus on your content. Now you don't. Now on the other hand, you don't want it so sloppy that the reader's so distracted. Because I did um, here one of my uh, previewers. Um, that I did send out my first book when I, after my publisher actually went under, um, I was, that's how I kind of got into self-publishing. I'm like, no, well, now what? Let me go ahead and um, take whatever they've chopped up and moved around and try to put it together. And I actually uh, recruited five readers. And the five readers um, 
pointed out some errors, but they says, you know, really, it wasn't a deal breaker. So here's what I found. Um, and, you know, don't worry about it. The, there was something like 12 errors. They found a, a total of 12 errors in it. I mean, there's still a little bit of continuity, but again, that was probably because of the, the some of the formatting that uh, the publisher did. They moved things out of place and I had to re put them back in place um, because they were trying to um, construct a different way, different than mine. Of course, that was part of the point of contention with them <laughs> on that and trying to reconstruct that. But one of my uh, reviewers says, you definitely want to make sure that you don't have so many that it is a distraction because there was a book that she did read from a famous psychic that had so many errors, she couldn't even get through the content. So with that said, I mean, you don't want to use the errors as a stumbling block for, you know, excessive editing, but you do want to present a good, well-developed uh, typo comb through editing that a typo here and there is not going to be distracting, but you want to be sure that the flow and the typos are not going to be so distracting that people lose interest in your content. Exactly. And this is important to me because this gentleman will be on my podcast uh, in February, I believe. But we're talking about you know, editing and you, it doesn't have to be perfect. It's never going to be perfect. There are always going to be little boo-boos or big boo-boos. My guest that I'm talking about has written, he's a copywriter. He's a very well-known copywriter. He is responsible for selling 47 billion, with a B, billion dollars worth of products and services during his career. I've got his book on my desk. He sent me a galley copy of it and there's errors in it. They're not horrible. And you know what? He doesn't care. He just doesn't care. He knows yeah. he's smart enough to know it's never going to be perfect. There are a few things that he's either removed, and the new book should be on my, my um, front door to today, today or tomorrow. But he's like, you know what? This is the book. I, my points are there. I've made my points from A to B to C to D, wherever it needs to go. And if there's some errors, there are some errors. This man has sold $47 billion worth of stuff. I don't think he really cares. So my point is that don't sit on it and try to perfect it. Exactly. It ain't going to happen, hon, as we say in the deep south. That ain't happening, hon. So get it out there. And and by the way, you were talking earlier about, you know, hiring a, you know PR people. He has done so. Hiring mm -hmm. social media people. He has done so. I'm that people. You know, it's, you've got to do what you need to do. But don't sit around and wait for a publishing house to just, you know, in a year or two, may, maybe kind of sort of produce your book. Yes, yes, uh, definitely. And that's one of the uh, misconceptions of writing. Uh, even if you have the, the most amazing book, if you write it, people may not come. You yep, have be proactive in getting yourself out there and promoting yourself. Even if you are the next Stephen King, you have to let people know about you. <laughs> and I know that's hard for writers because writers, 
don't like to be in the uh, spotlight. They're writing because a lot of them tend to be introverts. But if you want to really excel as an author and get your great story out there, you have to be proactive. There's really no, not too much about that. Or you can hire a PR firm that would do that legwork for you. But I know a lot of beginning uh, writers and authors generally don't have the funding to do that. And there's so many options for free to do that with social media platforms. It, it, I mean, that's an option for you too. You can hire somebody or do the legwork for free and just put the time into it. And usually social media is the better way to go because you have more interaction with your readers. And there's been a lot of uh, talk about numbers with social media. Like, again, with the publishers, you have to have X amount of followers and X amount of people and on these platforms. But really, the statistics are showing that the number of followers or people following you doesn't always translate into dollar signs. It's the connection that you have with people. Now, with the larger numbers, that tends to increase that option. But really, even if you don't have a big number of followers, get, get into the habit of building connections with yes. what you have. And getting them, because again, like you said, <clears throat> you don't necessarily, I mean, you're interested in the book, but you like to know the person behind the book. And with social media, you have that option to build those relationships versus maybe a PR firm that's promoting the content of your book. Social media, you can promote you. They get to interact. Yeah. And, and social media, and I'm going to give us both a, a big thumbs up here. Get on people's podcasts. Mine, Victoria's, get on podcasts. Yeah, um, if that's what we're talking about, I mean, you're obviously you don't want to go on a you know yarn podcast or anything that's that's not appropriate. <laughs> Although some of those are fairly interesting, I can't knit or purl or do anything, but some of them are fun to listen to. But but here's the thing, podcasts are heard. People listen. They get to yeah. know you. Like you know, right now you're getting to know Victoria by listening to what she's got to say, by listening to, you know, the questions that I'm asking. When you get on a podcast, there it's almost not really like watching a movie, but you get to hear our passion. You get to hear, you know, what's really interesting. Then you can go, oh, you know, I need to know more. So now I'm going to go follow this particular author. And you, most of the time you can find them on Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram. They're everywhere. Get to know your authors. So what did I miss there, Victoria? Anything else you wanted to add to that? Well, I will tell you, too, as an author and just kind of interacting with my media, and I'm going, I haven't been able to do more of this, but people love to hear authors read their own work. 
We were talking yeah. about yeah. that the other day. I was talking with John David Mann. He's, he wrote The Go-Givers with Bob Berg, and he and his oh, wife yeah. are going oh, to be, yeah, he and his wife are going to be on my show uh, Valentine's Week because this is the marriage Go-Giver book. And mm-hmm. we were talking, you know, having a, not really a debate, but a conversation during the pre-interview and he was saying, well, you know, I asked her, are you going to do an Audible book? He said, yeah, we're trying to figure out, do we do it ourselves or do we hire somebody? I said, I know your voice. People who have listened to you on different podcasts know your voice. We want your voice. Mm-hmm. I mean, I made the mistake one time. Larry Winkett is a, a good friend of mine, and he's been on this podcast a lot, the pit bull of you know, personal success. And he's written six, I think, New York Times bestsellers. I made the mistake early on of downloading one of his earlier books that he did not narrate, and I hated it. I actually deleted it. But everything else I've gotten is Larry's voice because I can hear him in my head. So, yeah, do your own, unless you have a really bad voice. Do your own, and some people do. Yeah, I I mean, again, it's, it's about there's a connection, and podcasting is a little bit of, you bring the the audio personality. So when somebody's reading your book, they have they can now hear your voice literally. Um, mm-hmm. You know, one of the things with writing is they call it the author's voice, but there's also the author's actual voice. So when they're reading, they can connect better to what they imagine the author to be and right. authors narrating their book through their book. And I'm sure you've heard this because you're a podcaster as well. I will actually have people on Facebook or LinkedIn say, you know, I'll say something not snotty, snippy. I'm I'm known to be a little bit, <laughs> I have an attitude about most everything in life. And, you know, pithy, let's just say I, I make pithy points. Not pissy, pithy, P-I-T-H-Y. And somebody will say, oh, I heard that. In your, I heard you say that in your voice. I'm like, oh, geez, <laughs> you've been listening to me way too much. But it, it does make that connection, and you're absolutely right. And once you hear somebody's voice and you get familiar with them, you're always going to hear it in the back of your head. When you think about them or you read something that they have written, you can hear them say it. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes, absolutely. And uh, podcasting was something that I sort of stumbled into. <laughs> but found that it's really a powerful medium. Um, you know, it's, it was, I had originally, of course, I do a lot of, as you know, entrepreneur, and I was planning to do a real estate one because that's something that I also do in my assortment of entrepreneurial journeys. But I woke up one morning and I go, you know, real estate's great, but it doesn't excite me the way writing does. And I had been feeling this pull to get back into writing. Matter of fact, when I left my uh, last corporate job, I stumbled into real estate to allow me to do more writing because I had signed the contract with the publisher that eventually went under so when the publisher kind of went under it it took a little bit of the uh, wind out of my sails for writing 
But when it came to doing the podcast, I'm like, you know what? I really need to think this over. And real estate's great. It provides, you know, a nice little income on the side. But I'm at a point, point in my life where I really want to get back to what excites me. And doing a little soul searching, it the answer was getting back to my writing. Because that's my big purpose that it always seemed to get kicked to the side and be on the back burner. And I decided to bring that on the front burner and light the biggest, baddest burner up on it. (laughs) And the podcast was a way to do that, to help network with other writers. Mainly my focus are new authors who, again, like myself, had Again, having those great books in the back of their mind and just kind of just idling on it and not getting anywhere um, and putting those. And that's the whole concept of the leap into your story. You really need to just leap into it and get it told. And that was my aha moment. And I says, you know, there, there, I'm sure there are thousands and thousands of other people who have great stories out there that need to get them told as one of my, yes, yes. And one of my um, recent authors, uh, Betty Brink, her title said it all. Somebody needs to hear your voice. And that's really the whole core of why I, got back into writing, decided to do the podcast for writers and make sure that there's a guiding process to do it and listen to other people who, because I will tell you, most of the people I've interviewed did not start in writing. They ended up in it and didn't have any regrets, but all of them had reservations about could they write a book Uh, are they worthy of it and that's some of the um, myths and dialogue that goes on in people's heads is you know I don't have a whole lot of writing experience I'm like you don't there's so many software out there you have options you can do ghostwriting if you want to if you don't want to go through the process I recommend going through the process and there's there's always something to learn about yourself, whether you're writing fiction, writing a memoir, or writing a nonfiction book. Uh, there's just a, a super duper self-fulfilling uh, sensation that you get once you accomplished it. So I mean, yeah. ghostwriting is an option, but I always say go do the work. Because there's always going to be some just great feeling of satisfaction or cathartic. If you're going over like trauma, if you're doing a memoir to help other people, there's always a benefit of writing. There is. There really is. And some of the best books I've read 
were basically blog posts that were just kind of formatted into a book. They were terrific blog posts. And, you know, not everybody's going to go visit your blog or go visit you on Facebook. They may read your book because they're – and let's talk about this. I mean, you're talking about – you know, bookstores, they may read your book because it was front and center when they went into the airport bookstore. It's like, oh, there it is. Okay, let me read that on the plane. So that, you know, you never know how your book is going to get read. So, Victoria, why do you think or what do you think is the main reason why most people who want to write just don't? Listen, I've got, and I'm ashamed to admit this, but I've said it often enough that it's almost flows off the tongue, but I've got several epic blank pages started they're epic not a word on them (laughs) but i kept them i've got a whole folder of them why don't why don't we write because i can write listen i've got a and we were talking about this in the green room in the virtual green room i've got a a facebook group called feline office assistants and i am regularly implored would you put these guys in a book please put them in a book because look i don't make up any of these stories i'm just a narrator my cats are nuts i will freely admit it but they're also funny as all get out and i write their stories and i put it out there and it's like when's the book going to be ready i really do need to just put them all in a book and publish it and be done with it mm-hmm. well just from talking to people um Believe it or not, I mean, there's, you know, talks about, you know, I'm not uh, good enough. There's the perfectionist or I don't have enough time or, um, you know, I'm worried about what other people might say. Yeah, there it is. Yeah, that's the biggie. What it it comes down to from just coaching and talking to people and even myself, it all comes down, believe it or not, to fear. There's always this fear, um, whether or not it's going to be perfect or not. But it, it, those are all manifest, some hidden fear. And I mean, here, here's the thing. You just have to work through that barrier and the blank page. I, I actually have, I address that in my course, which is, you have to just remember your why. Why is it important for you to do this? And if you need to set aside even two minutes a day, just keep writing your why statement because what you're going to do is you're going to break down that fear barrier, whatever it is. And when your why becomes greater and more predominant in your mind, then you'll make time. You won't worry about being perfect. You won't worry about what other people are going to say. So writing your why over and over will eventually erode this barrier that's stopping you. And let me say this, perfectionism, and I am a recovering, I think, (laughs) Perfectionist. But it really is. Perfectionism really is procrastination. That's all it is. Mm-hmm. And, and once that, you recognize that, you're still going to yeah, do it. Yeah. But there it is. At least you understand. Well, here's it. the thing. So procrastination is 
again, a variation of fear. Exactly. And the perfectionism is you're doing it, but you're still doing it afraid. So, so. that's you got to just kind of program. Why is this important? Why is, what is my why? Why am I just keep bearing? And again, it's kind of like just chipping away at a wall. And I recommend, and it may be as little as two minutes a day, but do it every day. Because again, little seeds will eventually sprout. I mean, that A thing had to start somewhere. somewhere. Yeah, that's exactly right. And if you tell, here we all tell ourselves really stupid stuff. I mean, we have ridiculous ridiculous conversations in our own heads and I'll be very frank with you if I if anybody spoke to me the way I speak to myself anytime I mean some days I'm like I would bloody their damn nose I really would it wouldn't hesitate a bit I would knock them down so we have to stop talking to ourselves in a way that just stops us so but there's Here's where I kind of wanted to go. What are the, you say there's three starting steps to writing, and one of them I think you might have just shared with us. Just spend those two minutes a day and change your mind, change your thinking, change that trajectory of why you're thinking it's not good enough. But what are the three starting steps? So let's get into the nuts and bolts here. Well, first of all, like you said, it's going to be mindset. And the Starting with your why and changing your mindset is just about programming. So we don't get rid of negative thoughts. We just have to replace them. It's kind of like you never recover from perfectionism, but you have to replace it with more productive uh, steps and thinking. And it all starts in the mindset and just Regardless of what your day is going, I will write today. And I'm a, I'm a big on mantras. And it doesn't even have to even be a writing mantra. I use every day in every way I get better and better. So that's a very broad one. And then before I write, I'd be like, I will write today. I will write today. Even if it's one sentence. So let me interrupt just a second. So when you say that I will write today, is that going to be, do you do it right then and right there after you said that? Say, I'm not going to procrastinate. I'm not going to put it off. I'm not going to have to go back to my index cards and look at my three important things to do today. Do you say I'm going to write today and then go do it? Or how does that work for you? That's a very, very good point. So what I use the mantras for, because I will tell you, even For myself, I will be like, I will write a paragraph today. And all of a sudden, I'd be like, hmm, I think I left some laundry (laughs) unattended. That's what I'm asking. It's like, oh, I have to do the dishes. Got to go now. (laughs) I go to the laundry. I'm like, nope, I will write today. The laundry's not going anywhere. But but, so what you want to do is, again, the mindset's to – change not only changing thinking but also trying to not only get yourself to go in a direction but to stop you from putting some obstacles in your way so take that first step yes if you say you're going to write you go right 
go right. Go okay. right. And it's better if you can um, do it right then and there because, again, if you – but I use that throughout the day. Notorious laundry seems to be my big nemesis when it comes to writing because I'm always afraid that it's going to build up. That's my excuse. <laughs> But see, I have what's called the open refrigerator door syndrome. The minute I think I have to do something important, I go open the refrigerator door. I've got double doors. I stick my upper body in there as far as I can go, and it's a like a one-minute meditation. You go blank. Whoever knows why they opened that darn refrigerator door, right? Yes. So that's how I procrastinate. At the almighty light bulb in the refrigerator, (laughs) that would be a good, you know, good time to go. I will write today, and that triggers that triggers your mind that you're doing something that's opposing writing right now. And the next step is basically just to do a little bit at a time. Um, You know, I challenged myself to try to do 800 words a day. On my schedule, that's even too much for me. But I did manage actually on Christmas, I exceeded that on my fourth book because the whole week was just crazy. I was lucky if I got eight words on a paper. It was a little hard trying to follow my own, but I did it. I did it, even if it's revising, um, but I did exceed my expectation on Christmas, and I think I got close to 2,500 words written. So, yeah, Mm -hmm. I made some big progress. But, again, the mantras help you stop behavior that's trying to route you somewhere else (laughs) and get you focused in. So it's good for moving you forward with the action, but also the mindset and the mantras are good for stopping you and bringing to attention that, again, you're allowing something to interfere when you should be writing. Oh, not only allowing it, but you're doing it deliberately, and that's where you have to really say, why am I doing this? What what is the net result here? Stop it. Yes, as a way of like the rubber band on the wrist, you know, that, right? right? You're snapping yourself, like, up, got it right. And the the next step is just kind of go easy. Um, If you want to set a word count, great. If you want to set a sentence count, great. If you choose to just write your why, because if you're staring at a blank page, then just continue to write your why. Uh, it's still writing, um, and it will eventually, like I said, the more, writing's one of those things, the more you write, the, the it brings a better quality, and the more you just kind of get into that mindset, it will bring forth a structured thought process, so you can start writing your story, so... It, it sometimes it doesn't even matter if you're actually writing the story, just writing. There's a mind, brain, uh, hand kind of coordination that goes on. Yes, the psychology that, there. Yes, there is a whole scientific um, research that shows that it, writing does rewire your brain differently, and 
it also increases like dopamine and certain other um, positive effects on your overall overall being. And what I did uh, was, you know, journaling every day. And it wasn't too challenging. And I was just kind of sorting out my feelings and uh, organizing my thoughts. And lo and behold, I had three books from my journaling. So my journals did not start out. I, when I did journaling, I did not anticipate books. But that was a byproduct. So if you're not sure what to write, start out with your why, do a little journaling, but do it every day. And in this case, the time is not the biggest um, influencer, is just getting in the habit of doing it. And then at some point, you will see when your mind is relaxed and you're continuing with your habit, the story will eventually flow. And then lastly, you want to think about maybe, uh, you know, who is your audience? If, if you do have a book in mind, you're never too early to think about who are you affecting and who do you want to make an impact on? It's all connected to your why. And sometimes if we don't have the strength to do it for ourselves, thinking about the other person we may help will drive that in a little better, especially for all the caregivers out there. So if you don't want to do it for yourself and you're having trouble writing your story for, to do it for yourself, then think about all the people that need to basically hear your voice. And those are the three components that I would recommend to get started in moving in a forward direction to leap into your story. Oh, thank you. And you said something about when your your mind is relaxed, you're going to think I'm a complete lunatic if you haven't thought that already. <laughs> but I, you don't have to answer that. Please don't. But I I relax, like I said, in the refrigerator, stick my face mm-hmm. in there and go, ooh, and I'm completely blank. But, and I do this a lot, when I hit the shower, and I've been known to drain my hot water tank because I'm thinking in there, I'm completely relaxed, nothing is distracting me. And some of my best ideas come in the shower or in the tub, but the tub I've got my iPad. So I tend to go in the shower when I need to just break free of something. Mm -hmm. And what I have done, I mean, I will get some of the best ideas. Some of them are just actually brilliant, and I'm not kidding you. But I, a long time ago, decided I needed to write these things down and not have to race across the the house naked to my office and try to write things down, which I have done, by the way. But picture that, if you will. But I bought, probably should get some another box pretty soon, but I buy bathtub crayons. Mm. And I take them in the shower with me. And I scribble all over my shower walls. And when I come out of there, I grab my phone. I take a picture of these brilliant thoughts or snippets or whatever the heck they are. And then I clean the walls. But I don't lose those thoughts. And, you know, when you're relaxed, it's when your brain really downloads or somebody downloads to you, spirit, whatever it is, guides, whatever it is, you know, get your ego out of the way and just listen to what is being shared with you and then write it down. Yes. Uh, I'm a big advocate of 
writing things, keeping things around. That's another tip in my course is having some sort of way to capture those inspiration moments. Uh, mm -hmm. For me, yeah, shower is another big one. But here's the crazy thing. When I used to work my corporate job, I would bring a notepad with me because when I got home, apparently I was like a dead circuit. But there was something about being very frustrated in my job <laughs> that made me want to write like a mofu. So I had to. <laughs> We're a lot I alike. I don't know if you know this my, or not, but uh, we're a lot I alike. <laughs> I had a book going, you know, some of the uh, some of the other ideas for the book, but yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's, uh, some people need a relaxation to get inspiration. Others, apparently, like myself, I need aggravation. So <laughs> <laughs> but the moral to the story is be ready for, you know, whether it be a, a dictation app, a notebook shower crayons, whatever floats your boat to keep you motivated and those juices going so you can capture them and go back and look at them, whatever works. <laughs> and listen, I keep a notebook, a composition notebook next to my bed because I will, and I don't sleep a whole lot. Anybody who listens to me knows that I catnap. I don't sleep for hours at a time. It's just not in me, never has been. But when I'm ready to, when I think, I'm, oh, I'm actually going to fall asleep right now, I get all excited. And mm -hmm. I say my little prayers because it's like, oh, it may be one o'clock in the morning. It often is. And I will, you know, say my prayers and then I will tell my subconscious. I turn something over to my subconscious for review, something that has been bothering me, something I don't have an answer to, and, you know, something I really need a response for. And I promise you, 318 every morning, it doesn't matter if I went to sleep 20 minutes earlier, 318, I wake up and I go, oh, there it is. And I grab that composition notebook. I write it down. Sometimes I can go back to sleep. Sometimes I make tacos. There's no telling what's going to happen. But when I, when I finally do wake up for the final time in the morning, whatever time of day it's going to be, normally before dawn, first thing I do after I, you know, I've had to train myself, stay in bed, and think about what was downloaded. What did you think about while you were sleeping? What did you dream about? What are you grateful for? The second thing I do is grab that notebook because I want to know what brilliant thoughts came to me while I was sleeping. Yes. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yes, a lot. Of, if you read any of my books, you'll see quite a few um reference points about dreams that I captured and uh, included in my book because they were telling me a, a story that was different than what I was telling myself during the day. Mm -hmm. I did the the same. Yeah, mm -hmm. I did. And I have written complete tomes in my, my sleep. I have written some terrific books. They're not on paper, but they're there. They're out there somewhere. So we've got about four more minutes. So what are the the personal and professional benefits of writing a book? I know them, and I think a lot of people listening to us are, but let's lay it out. Yeah, absolutely. So on the personal level, you have the self-satisfaction of writing a book and getting it published. If you're doing memoir work, the cathartic feeling of, processing through that and knowing that you help others in the process. On the professional side, 
you know, if you have a great process or coaching program, you can put that in a book and reach bigger audiences that maybe don't participate in your coaching or haven't seen any type of, you know, speaking engagement. But also, too, you're going to add the uh, a, an extra level of authority in your field. There's nothing like having a book listed in your resume to elevate you and separate you from others who don't. Excellent. Victoria, you've launched, you, you mentioned this earlier, and I wanted to make sure that we, we spoke about that. You mentioned that you have launched a writing course for new writers. So let's talk about that before we have to go. Yes, absolutely. So this is kind of what started it all. It was I wanted to put everything in one place for new beginners and if even seasoned ones who maybe need a little refresher or nudging or some fresh perspective. But if you go to leapintoyourstory.thinkific.com, you can uh, take the course there. But I also have um, a free course which specifically dives into the fear factors and barriers from writing. And again, this is absolutely free. You can go to the website at leapintoyourstory.com forward slash gifts. There's two different versions of this because I know different folks um, learn different ways. I, I did change it up for um, to help give uh, various uh, perspectives of the fears. Plus, there's also a 25-point checklist to help go over some of the reasons and mantras and checkpoints of helping you to get through your writing experience so you can leap into your own story. So that's all included in that free course bundle package on the website. Excellent. Listen, before I let you go, is there anything else that I might have missed or something that you wanted to share with the audience that you think is really important? Well, uh, if you want to check out my memoir series, you can go to Amazon.com under VP Anderson and take a taste of my reading. There's Touched, Trial by Fire, and Mastering the Paradox. And those are the books that came out of the journal. So I leave everyone just write every day. You'll get better in every way. So those are, those are my thoughts for you. <laughs> Thank you. Victoria, it's been wonderful speaking with you. And I have thoroughly I enjoyed think. it. And I think we're both just way too much alike. Okay. <laughs> We have, we have a lot in common. I'll call in you in a later. good way. Yeah. Yeah. All good. All good, yeah. Denise. In a good way. And I thank you for all of the advice that you've shared with our audience. And yes, get out there and start writing. So before we say goodbye, I would like to remind our audience to be sure to look for us in iTunes, Audible, honestly anywhere else you consume your business podcast. You seriously cannot throw a stick on the internet without hitting your partner in Success Radio. We are everywhere. So just look for us and take us along on your success journey. Victoria, thank you so much. Thank you. It's been an absolute Get your voice heard. If you would like to launch your own far-reaching podcast, 
Contact Denise Griffiths at yourofficeontheweb.com and go to the podcast tab. 